uh, beginning in 1999, I had this incredible encounter where the Lord said, rebuild my temple. You know, uh, I heard the audible voice of the Lord. It was kind of weird, but it kind of set me on a path. And that temple, it turns out through several, through the years, through several words, dreams, and visions, and signs in the heavens and on the earth, he began to talk to me about that the temple, the rebuilt temple is actually the temple of Zerubbabel which is kind of strange because it's an Old Testament temple, and um, so it didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. But I've spent the last uh, really 15-plus years in uh, Zechariah 4 and really studying out what God is saying for the body of Christ in this hour and why the temple of Zerubbabel is so key to the coming awakening and what he's wanting to do in the earth. Um, also, he sent several angels uh, uh, several, and I, I, I'm just, again, this is a review of, of what we talked about uh, over the last several weeks, but several angelic visitations and Jesus himself appearing to prophets in the land um, saying the same thing, the plumb line is now in the hand of Zerubbabel. And so my question, again, was why I don't understand this. And when God starts to give all of us something, there's always a what, there's a how, there's a why, um, and, and really a win, and, and, and he will give us all of the information, but typically he's not going to tell us the win. Um, I've always found that, you know, as a prophet, we always feel like when we get a word from the Lord, how many of you this way, it's like, it's going to happen tomorrow. <laughs> I'm feeling this, man, here we go, rock on, we're going we're gonna to run with this, and then, you know, like 20 years later, you're like, okay, <laughs> still pregnant with this baby, this spirit baby, you know, oh. <laughs> So, um, but uh, in a nutshell, the prophetic sign of the temple of God that he began with Jesus laying the foundation um, is what I believe that he's saying to us about uh, Zerubbabel, that it is uh, that Jesus came, this, this, this Zerubbabel's temple was a sign and a wonder, and it wasn't just, he wasn't just talking about a physical temple that was going to be built, but he was talking about a spiritual temple that was coming, and I hope to prove that to you today as we go through um, the books of Haggai and the books of uh, Zechariah 3 and 4, specifically Zechariah 4. Um, and I hope to show you that, that, that what all of these people during that time were talking about, they were not talking about uh, Zerubbabel's physical temple, uh, but they were talking about a coming temple not made with hands, not by might nor by power, but by the Spirit of God. And there was a foundation that was laid, but then also they talk about a capstone that was coming later and that the, the Spirit of Zerubbabel would lay the foundation and then in the same dispensation or in the same activity, the same prophetic apostolic power and might and love and the nature of God would also bring the capstone or the finishing work of God before the coming of Jesus. Whew, that was a mouthful. Are y'all still with me? Yeah. All right, so prophetic review. I think um, my clicker's not working. Can somebody help me out back there? All right, now here's a biblical review. God's chosen people, as we were talking about through the last several weeks, God's chosen people were taken into Babylonian captivity 
after all of the kings, you know, there was one king, another king, another king after King David, you know, it was just like, man, these guys could not get it going on. They kept doing evil in the sight of the Lord. And so God is long suffering and he continued to try to give them another chance to do the right thing. But they continued to do evil in the Lord's sight and they led the people into two things. Uh, they led him into uh, false worship, worshiping idols, the idols of Baal, and also uh, child sacrifice. After 70 years, so the Lord gave them a royal holy spanking, and they, he said, for 70 years, you are in time out, and I'm going to let you people think about what you've done over these 70 years. And so after 70 years, they returned to Jerusalem through prophetic fulfillment by Cyrus the Great. Okay, I want to stop right there because as, as many of you have, have heard, because we're a prophetic house, many of the prophets in the land have been talking about, can you go to the next slide, have been talking about um, uh, Donald Trump being in Cyrus. Now, I want to speak to you not from a political agenda, but from a prophetic agenda, because heaven always has something to say, and when heaven is speaking, the things in the natural will follow, okay? So I'm not talking, I'm not here talking or espousing one candidate or over another. We have now have a president-elect, but what I will tell you is that before he was even uh, running, there was a fireman five years ago that the Lord visited in, I don't know, somewhere in America, but he prophesied that Donald Trump would be president and he would be like a Cyrus. Now, don't you know, when you, when you have a Cyrus show up, there's going to be a rebuilt temple of Zerubbabel because those two were connected in the spirit. So much so that uh, in, in, uh, uh, there's a, a, an organization called uh, Lion and Lamb Ministry that I was recently watching, which is phenomenal because they were giving the news report about what was going on in Israel right before the election. And the spirit of the Lord began to speak to an organization called the Sanhedrin Council. Now these are the guys with the top hats, the black hats and the, the little, you know, uh, what do you call them? Sideburns that are curly. I mean, these are the hardcore Jewish rabbis. These guys are fasting and praying for Donald Trump to win the presidency because the Lord had told them that he was going to be like a foreign king that is like a Cyrus who is going to help them initiate and rebuild their temple, which they said the Lord told them will usher in the messianic age. Guys, are you kidding me? The Spirit of the Lord is speaking to the body of Christ, and he is saying there is a temple that's about to be rebuilt. Now, the Jews, of course, we know this because we have the beginning and the end in the Bible. They don't know that we're the rebuilt temple. I am the rebuilt temple, okay? They don't understand that, and so they're thinking in their minds, we're going to really build a temple, we're going to have a third temple that's going to be built. And it's in the word that they would try to do this, that they would go about trying to do that. So if we are entering into this age, we know that the spirit temple is about to be rebuilt as well. So there's something coming and there's something that's God's doing that's very exciting. All right, I just went over that. Next one. Okay, biblical review again. Zerubbabel is the heir to the throne of David. 
He led the exodus with Joshua the high priest and a remnant of Jews. So there were just a few of them that came back into the promised land. Zerubbabel, Joshua, and the, uh, the remnant, they lay the foundation. The Babylonians come against the building. Now, when they go back into Israel, when they go back to, to start laying the foundation, guess who's there? The Babylonians. Because the Babylonians never got kicked out. So they went to begin to build and lay their foundation in the midst of their enemy. How many of you know that when you first got saved, you were basically building, the Lord was building your temple in the midst of your enemy. And so you began to get built up, and then the end of this, what happened is the Babylonians began to come against the building. The enemy is going to come against building your temple, and it said that, they, that he did it in three ways. They brought confusion. They brought accusation. That's two ways. Um, and so it stopped. Go to the next slide. So it stopped for 16 years. And so Zerubbabel did this. He led the second exodus. And the second thing he did is he re rebuilt the second temple. One of the things, uh, keep going, next slide. All right, keep going all the way down. So, so every single exodus in biblical times has had a, an, an exodus, an initiation, and there was always a purpose for an exodus. The purpose for an exodus is to rebuild a temple so that God's people can worship him. And so every single exodus, you can see that, that there, the initiation of the exodus happened, and then there was this huge pause every single time and so you've got Moses you've got Zerubbabel you've got Jesus Jesus came to rebuild the temple not made with hands but what happened beloved he he laid the foundation and then everything stopped a generation disappeared out of the earth and the and the and the truth of how he laid the foundation disappeared from the earth and the people of God were on a 2,000-year hiatus. They may have had little sprinklings. God would sprinkle a little revival here and there. But the, but the truth is, is how the foundation was laid. The power, the truth, the revelation, the love, the nature of God. They were shaking the earth with the apostles and the prophets that lived in that day. So it disappeared but I am telling you, God is about to bring the very same reality in this last generation. Go to the next slide. So every time there's a temple built, it is preceded by an exodus. I believe right now what's happening with a Cyrus coming on the scene, that God is shaking everything that can be shaken. And that's why you see the people of God are about to be taken out of a system in the earth that has held them captive. It is a Babylonian system where the people of God have been in total confusion about what the truth is. Next slide. So here's kind of a timeline. So you have, uh, you have uh, Babylon. They're all in Babylon. You've got Cyrus. He steps on the scene. Zerubbabel begins to lead the exodus. The foundation is laid. The building is then disrupted. And today we're going to take off here at Haggai and Zechariah. So turn in your Bibles to Zechariah 4. Now go to the next slide. What happens when God begins to release the prophetic? How many of you in this room remember when the prophetic wasn't in the land? How many of you can remember? Raise your hand. Okay. The, the, the reintroduction of the prophetic has been happening 
in the last, I'd say, 30 years. And so you know, and it's happening worldwide. At first, when it started, you know, you had the super prophets. You know, you had the people that, oh, they heard from God. And the rest of the church were like, that's heresy, you know? And, and, and then it, you got more and more super prophets that were stepping into that. And, and now, look what's happening. We're all prophesying. We're all hearing. We're all releasing words accurately. And so the prophetic and the prayer movement are going together because you have to have one, the prayer movement, before the prophetic is going to work. You have to have a people that are reinstated in the priesthood to know where to go, and their, their ears and their eyes are taken out of that earthly, confused state, and they begin to go to heaven, hear what heaven is saying, and then release what heaven is saying and doing. All right? Are y'all with me? So, so Haggai, the book of Haggai, there are two prophetic books that, that God uses to begin to reinstitute and reinitiate the building of the temple. He uses the prophetic because this is what prophetic does. It initiates purpose, building of your temple. It re, and then it'll also be used. You know how you get a word and you know you're going along, going along, and you start to kind of get discouraged because the word hasn't come to pass yet, and you know you can kind of feel the hope dwindling. What'll happen? God will break in again with a prophetic word, and He will say, "No, no, no! Didn't I say? Now listen to what I'm saying. It's now in the time and the season." And so, a lot of times, you know, you get a word like for us, we got this word like 15, almost 20 years ago, and we've been sitting on this word, believing this word, prophesying this word, saying this word, teaching this word, and so and believing with hope in our hearts. But there have been seasons that we've gone through. Where we're like, you know, God, I don't even know if this is true anymore. I don't even know if this is right anymore. And God will send another prophet going, yes, it is. Hold on. Don't give up. Keep fighting with the word. And then all of a sudden, you come into the season of it, and you begin to see the swirl and the word being said by others. And you realize that you've now entered into the time of the fulfillment, and that's when you're like, game on. Let's get into alignment with what God is doing so that we can get, glean the fullness of this and release it into the earth. Amen? So in the book of Haggai, there are several things that Haggai was saying about this house of Zerubbabel, about this temple of Zerubbabel. And he prophesied and he said, the glory in this latter temple will be greater than the former. Well, we know that there's no way he could be talking about Zerubbabel's temple because the glory never dwelt in Zerubbabel's temple. In fact, the Ark of the Covenant was never even brought into the temple. The Ark of the Covenant was lost in 600 B.C. And so they didn't even have the Ark of His Presence to put in this temple. And this, in fact, was the temple that Herod uh, kind of uh, redecorated, and it was called Herod's Temple during Jesus' time. And this was the temple that rejected him. This is the temple where the veil was torn, the altar was broken too. There was no glory in this temple. Therefore, we can surmise that this is the temple that Jesus came and laid the foundation for. And this, of course, will be the temple that the capstone comes. 
All right, he said this, I'm going to shake everything that can be shaken, basically. I'm going to shake the heaven. I'm going to shake earth. I'm going to shake the sea and the dry land. All of creation is going to begin to shake, and I'm going to shake all nations. Say all nations. All nations. All right, and then three, he says, I'm going to pour out the gold and the silver. I'm going to pour out the treasures so that my people uh, can, can build the temple and, and the harvest can come. All right, next slide. All right, let's uh, open up your books, to your Bibles to um, Zechariah 4. It is the next to the last Bible before the New Testament. What? The book. The only book. The, uh, the books are open, man. Right, Chris? All right, um, here's what I'm going to do. Um, now, guys, you're going to have to bear with me here. Typically, I'm not this charismatic, okay? But when you're dealing with a lot of... Okay. You know you're in a family where people really know you. All right, I, I'm going to blow the show far today. Anyway, I'm gonna, what I'm going to be doing is I'm going to be showing some of the symbols just because here's what I want. I'm going to give you a lot of revelation, a lot of information, and I want it to be digestible. I want you to be able to eat the scroll and let the scroll go down, okay, and, and really begin to assimilate this in your spirit so that it's not just something that you go, oh, yeah, that was nice. Let's go on and have lunch. Um, all right, so there are in Zechariah 4. Um, Zechariah 4, the angel of the Lord comes, and he's speaking, to he's speaking to Zerubbabel. Now, in Zechariah 3, which we're not going to go over today, uh, the, the angel comes, and he's speaking to Joshua. Now, remember, there were three people that rebuilt the temple, guys. There was Joshua, the high priest. There was Zerubbabel, who was the governor of Judah, or in the line of the kings. Okay, so you've got the priest, the king, and you have the remnant, Okay. And so um, in Zechariah 4, uh, the angel of the Lord comes to Zechariah to speak specifically to Zerubbabel. And we're going to camp out there today since uh, we are supposed to be rebuilding Zerubbabel's temple. All right. Uh, let's start with, um, oh, okay. There's three parts um, of Zechariah 4. The angel of the Lord comes and he's like, hey, here's a vision. The second part of it is the prophecy and the third part of it is the revelation of the vision. It's kind of interesting the way uh, Zechariah 4 is laid out because it's like there's a parenthetical uh, a, a pause between what the vision is and what the revelation of the vision is. And stuck right in the middle is this big parenthesis that is a prophecy to the end time church and to the day of, of Jesus when he laid the foundation of the temple. All right, so uh, let's start. Go ahead and, and, and go to the next slide. I'm going to read, and as I, as I uh, read down um, through, uh, just follow me, and I'm going to have some slides along the way. So um, um, Zechariah 4, verse 1. Now the, the angel who talked with me came back and wakened me as a man who is wakened out of his sleep. Okay, wait, basically what that means is that he wasn't asleep, but he was stirred up and he was awakened out of a spiritual stupor. 
And so the eyes of his heart were awakened. And so he went from the natural realm and into the spirit realm. And he saw this vision. And the angel said to me, what do you see? So I said, I am looking, and there is a lampstand of solid gold with a bowl on top of it, and on the stand seven lamps with seven pipes to the seven lamps. Two olive trees are by it, one at the right of the bowl and the other to its left. So I answered and spoke to the angel who talked with me, saying, What are these, my Lord? And then the angel who talked with me answered and said, Do you not know what these are? Now, stop there. This is kind of a sassy angel. It's like he's very sincere in asking the question, and the angel's like, so you don't know what these are? It must have been an angel from New York. (laughs) And he said, no, Lord. Okay, so you've got the what. You've got the what. Remember, I told you that God is always going to show you the what, the where, the how, the why, and the, and, and, but he usually won't show you the wind. So, so here's the vision. He sees these two trees, and these two trees are pouring oil into this candlestick. Now, I want to stop you here because this is completely different than the candlestick that was in Solomon's temple, which was the first temple that was built. And the reason that that is important is because this candlestick in the first temple, it represented Jesus. Who, who was the light to the temple. He kept the light burning and, and, and bright in the temple 24-7. And the people of the land were required to, to crush olives and as a sacrifice bring fresh olive juice or, or olive oil to, to the priest as a sacrifice so that the, the lamp could stay lit. But this is a different candlestick. We know if the candlestick and the dispensation of the candlestick has changed for this new temple, we know that the game is afoot. That means that that Jesus has now gone in and he is going to be a light on the inside of us. And whereas the people used to be required in the Old Testament to bring the sacrifice of the oil, now the oil was going to be flowed, was going to flow freely. Amen? All right, let's go to the next slide. All right, so this is the house. So he begins to uh, tell us about the house. So we're going to go into that. So he answered, verse 6, Uh, um, So he answered and said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Who are you, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel, you shall become a plain, and he shall bring forth the capstone with shouts of grace, grace. And so this is a temple that's not going to be built by power or by might. But this temple is going to be built by the Holy Spirit. And he said, and it's actually every mountain, you're going to speak to the mountains and you're going to say to that mountain, go into the sea. That you're going to have so much power that anything that stands before you has to be called down by the power of the Holy Spirit that is in you. Now, you can attest, as well as I can, that, that, that in the first church, this is how they functioned. If there was a, 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 any kind of article of clothing of Paul's, the, 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 the people got healed from just touching that. 
There, there was so much power that was present with them that, that the gates of hell could not come against the establishment and the foundation of the church. But you can also agree that the church has lost that reality of that level of power. And so he said this, listen, here's the good news. The, 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 the capstone or the last generation is actually going to be built in a different way than the foundation was laid. It's going to come with shouts of grace, grace. What does this mean for you and me? This means, beloved, that you have a sound. You have Christ already in you. The work was already done. And he said, I'm going to pour out a double portion of grace on your words. And the things that you speak will actually initiate the rebuilding and the finished work of, of humanity before we see Christ coming on the clouds. I know, I was thinking, wouldn't it be cool if it was fairy dust? But in fact, no, it's going to come on the inside of you. And I love what, or from the inside of you, I love what Reinhard Bonnke says. The power that lives on the inside of you and the words that you speak are going to be as powerful as the words that Jesus spoke when he walked on the earth. Okay, um, where are we? Are you all good? All right, so at verse 8, Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, The hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this temple. Go to the next slide. And his hands shall also finish it. And so they're saying, listen, this Zerubbabel thing is important, and we're going to cover a lot of that in the next preaching, kind of the, the how, how is this all going to work out and what the practicals of all of this are. But he said, listen, there, there are two things that a master builder does in the Bible. A master builder will lay the foundation and then the people will come and build the walls. And then the master, found, uh, uh, the master builder will then come and he will bring the capstone or the, it's called the finishing stone or the headstone of a building. And so uh, let's go on. Um, so Zerubbabel is going to lay the foundation and he's going to bring the finished work. It's like an Oreo, it's like an Oreo cookie. You know, he's like, okay, here's one, here's the other, and in between is all the creamy good stuff. All right, um, then you will know that the Lord of hosts has sent me to you, for who has despised the day of small things? For these seven, give me the next slide, these seven rejoice to see the plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel. Now, when it says these seven rejoice to see, do, how many of you know what a plumb line is? Okay. Mostly guys. Okay, so it's it's what you use to build a building or build a temple, and so it's it's what God uses to measure. He uses it's it's truth, and 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 what he does is he drops it from heaven to the earth, and it measures everything against itself to make sure that it's straight, that your building is being built straight, and and so everything is perpendicular. Everything measures. Everything is in order. And um, so that's what the, uh, the plumb line is. And it said these seven rejoice to see. That word rejoice is used in two different ways. It's used when there is a wedding celebration and it is used when there is a battle victory. Okay? And so go to the next slide. But it says these seven rejoice to see. What are these seven? These are the seven eyes of God, which are the seven spirits of God found in Isaiah 11.2. And you can see them there. They actually... 
it's really cool in the spirit they have colors you know you can kind of see when the when the room changes at a different hue or when you are seeing a different color you know that one of these spirits has walked in the room um, <clears throat> now I was gonna put up there the seven eyes of the Lord but when I began to Google it it was all these lambs that were slain with seven really weird eyes on it but seven eyes seven horn it, it's really cool it's out of Revelation 5 but I thought this was better a little bit easier to take first thing in the morning. Um, all right, uh, next slide. Okay, who are these seven? Um, the plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel. These are the eyes of the Lord which scan to and fro throughout the whole earth. Okay, that is storehouse logo. Um, all right, so he said, then I answered and said to him, what are these? And so now we're going into the next phase. This next phase is going to be um, the revelation. And he said, um, so now he's going to go in and he's going to explain what was happening. Can you go back to the slide of the, um, of the trees? He was going um, to explain what was happening with these trees. Um, so he said, okay, listen, here's the revelation. It is this. Then I answered and said to him, what are these two olive trees at the right of the lampstand and at its left? And I further answered and said to him, what are these two olive branches that drip into the receptacles of the two golden pipes from which the golden oil drains? And then he answered me and said, do you not know what these are? Again, an angel from New York. And he said, no, my Lord. So he said, these are the two anointed ones who stand beside the Lord of the whole earth. Okay, the word uh, anointed ones, that actually means sons of oil. These are, now, now, whenever you see oil in the Bible, what were they typically doing? Pouring it down Aaron's beard. And so it was a very priestly symbol. In fact, um, Christ is not Jesus' name. It is Jesus' title, and it means anointed one the oily one, the one that has been anointed, the one that has the oil drips down on his beard. And so he is the Christ. So basically it says that these are the Christ ones. These are the Christ men and women. These are the ones that stand beside the Lord of the whole earth. And what did it say? That you are seated in heavenly places with him. And so this is such good news for us because we know that when the, the foundation was laid, it was laid with the sons of God, the sons of oil, the anointed ones that brought heaven to the earth with so much power that it shook everything so that there could be a rebuilding or a reestablishment of the truth of God in the land again. And I believe that what we're seeing, even with a Cyrus now being, and, and, and this Cyrus isn't just for America, this Cyrus is for the world. Because God is saying to us through the prophets, I am rebuilding my temple. Get ready, church, because the silver and the gold are coming. And the glory in this latter house shall be greater than that of the former. And I am going to do it by my hand and I am going to create a people who can release this. And this is why many of you have been in the pit for the last 10 to 15 years. 
is because God is refining his people and the hearts of his people so that what comes out of our mouth won't kill people. Because it's going to have so much grace on it, the words are going to be so weighted with the grace of God that it's like if you have not refined your heart and been tested with fire so that your heart is like pure gold, who can ascend the hill of the Lord? I'm telling you, he will not let you do this because he doesn't want you to hurt yourself and he doesn't want you to hurt other people. So out of our mouths has to come living water, streams of living water. And we're going to get into that next time. But um, how do you guys feel? Are you feeling good? Isn't this exciting? All right. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray for you. We're going to have the prayer team come up. Um, if, if any of you like, like have been getting dreams or, or you, you are kind of sensing this same thing, um, I really want you to send those to us because we're really compiling what the, what the Lord is saying right now and what the Spirit is saying to us because we want to be, um, you know, Issachar, like Issachar, and really get into alignment with what God is saying. So you can send that to Anne-Marie at storehousedallas.com. All right, let me pray. Well, Father, I just thank you for Zerubbabel's temple, God. I thank you, Father, that everybody in the earth is going to be able to spell this. <laughs> So, Father, would you just release over us the, this revelation, God? I pray that this revelation would go in deep just as we take communion, God, and, and, and we're co-mingling with the body and the blood, God. I ask that this would, this would go in and, and, God, that this revelation would become part of who we are so that we can, we can hear the vision, we can see the vision, and then we can run with it. God, I thank you for our family. I pray that today that they can just go and be giants in the land, God, that they can release your word everywhere they go. And everybody said, amen.